Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Dynamics Podcast. God is a spirit, and you are a spirit who is living in a body that is trapped in a three-dimensional world, limited by time and space. But your spirit man, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions will live forever. One day, you are going to see God. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the king of the kingdom of God, which is a government. It is a city. It is a country that will never end. Heaven will end. Earth will end. But his words will never pass away. We have the amazing privilege to not only know God through Jesus Christ, but to be as God on the earth. We are the image of God, and we have got to be born again by the Holy Spirit. We return to the original image of God, and we begin to proclaim the kingdom has arrived. Hey guys, here is a plug for my first book, God Men. And it's for your benefit. It's not for mine. Um, I just want you to know that the devil and his demons, above all else, do not want you to know that you are like God. This is the secret to the kingdom that is being revealed to the church in these last days. Now, Paul knew it, but we have completely forgotten the message of the kingdom of God. 90% of the church do not understand the kingdom message of Jesus Christ. He said, to he who has more will be given, but to he who does not have even what little he has will be taken away. He said, if you understand the parable of the kingdom, you will bear much fruit. Many Christians do not bear fruit. They don't lead people to Christ. They don't see their prayers answered and they live in frustration as the pagans, worrying about what they will eat and drink or wear. Does this not sound like your church, your friends, yourself? The kingdom is about sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. They know who they are. They know who their God is. They know that they own everything. And my book, God Men, it's a shock. It's a wake-up call. It's a slap in the face. It is me grabbing myself by the shoulders and shaking myself awake. And I can do the same for you if you're willing to receive it. But what I'm writing about in God Men is the revelation that you are just like your father. You own everything. According to Romans, you own everything. According to Hebrews, Jesus rose up many sons to glory. You see, the devil and religion 
They don't mind if you go to church. They don't mind if you help a little old lady cross the road or, or, or send some food over to children in India. They do not want you to manifest the power of God. They do not want to see the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit coming out of your mouth and changing the room. Think about it. They crucified Jesus because he made himself to be equal with God, which is the very thing that God said he did in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. He said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our likeness. We are like God. And if you'll just listen to me for a minute, the devil tempted Eve in the garden around this very point. He said, "Ah, you did God really say that you should not eat of the fruit in the middle of the garden? He said, because when you eat of that fruit, you will become like God, knowing both good and evil. You see, the temptation in the garden was around this issue of our God-likeness, Peter calls it godliness. You have everything you need for life and godliness, which means to be like God. If you have any doubt, let me tell you this. Is God holy? God is holy and he is in unapproachable light. Yet you and I, if we are Christians, have received his Holy Spirit. I'm telling you the truth. And it's obvious, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you are not perfectly sinless. The Holy Spirit will not live in a sinful vessel. You and I are the body of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have been washed clean with his sins. The Bible is clear. A Christian is the righteousness of God. They have the righteousness of God. They are exactly like God. We are seated, according to Jesus, we are seated on the Father's throne. That is the Bible. That is the New Testament reality. But the devil and religion will not allow you to believe or to experience or to live in that level of power. They don't mind if you go to church. They don't mind if you tithe and if you help little old ladies cross the road or even if you pray a few nice religious prayers. But if you were to pull someone out of a wheelchair, if you were to to tell people that they are like God, that they are the children of God, the sons of God, and if they repent, if they repent, they actually change kingdoms that there's actually a kingdom of God and a kingdom of darkness. Listen, Jesus Christ himself said, this message of the kingdom is the one message that Satan will personally steal. It's in Matthew 13 and it says, the seed that was sown on the well-worn path, he said, the devil himself will personally come and steal the seed. Let me tell you, the devil is threatened by the message of the kingdom. The devil will go after the message of the kingdom. He will not go after the message of church or of religion or of your best life 
or of Christianity and helping other people and, and, and being a good Samaritan. The devil sits in the front row and claps in those sorts of services. But if you, if you were to seek first the kingdom of God, if you were to deny yourself and not love your life unto death, if you were to lay your life down for your friends, if you were to live as Jesus lived and as John said, walk as Jesus walked, if you are wanting to do the greater works of Jesus Christ, which I believe is to lead people to Christ, then the devil is going to be up in your stuff. But you need to be able to say, like I've been preaching for five years now, the devil has nothing in me. Why? Why does the devil have nothing in you? Because you're dead. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are hidden in Christ. You are a new creation. You've been restored back to the original image, the prototype of Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives inside of you. And if you are not offended, if you are not thinking of your own needs, but you're actually thinking of the needs of others and considering others as more important than yourself, if there is no judgment and criticism and self-hatred and comparison and jealousy and selfish ambition, then the devil will find you slippery. He will not be able to take a grip because you'll be like soap in the bathtub. And if you do sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. But what he can't help you with is when you are unrepentant, you don't want to know the truth, you've exchanged the truth for a lie, you're lukewarm, you, you're a goat. He can't help you. He can't help a goat, but he can help a sheep. And the secret to the kingdom is surrender. The secret to the kingdom is to throw yourself on the mercies of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. A starving man will eat anything that you give him, even if it'll kill him. <laughs> You know, even if his stomach is going to pop, he's not going to be fussy about whether it's gluten-free or not. The poor in spirit will see God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't see any little children reading the newspaper to find out what is going on in Iraq or Iran or Israel. Little children, they look to their parents if they see that their parents are afraid, then they'll be asking questions. But they will look to their parents. And if they look to their parents and see that their parents are, are relaxed, then they will feel total peace, total security. If I say to a little child like a five-year-old, you know, we're going to Disneyland today. They are going to believe you. They're not going to say, oh, but dad, you know, how many frequent flyer points have you got left? And, you know, you need to be double vaccinated to fly. They don't think like that. Animals did not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Angels didn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they don't know. They don't know that they're naked, the animals. They don't, they're not embarrassed. You don't see a giraffe trying to cover its private parts. And that is how we're meant to be with God. We're meant to be as shrewd as a snake 
as harmless as a dove, but we are meant to be little children in the way that we receive the kingdom. If Jesus said it, then we agree with him. He commanded his disciples to not doubt. He didn't say we need unlimited faith. He said we only need the faith of a mustard seed because God is big enough. All a child needs to do to go to Disneyland is to take their father's hand. It's the father who books the airfare. It's the father and the mother who pack the bags, who worry about the the parking and the schedule. The child tags along and you and I have been prepared works to do. Jesus Christ has prepared good works for us to do. It's the power of God that works in us to do the good works. Listen, the Father has something for you to do today. That's the only thing you need to do. You've got to have a relationship with him. And I believe you wouldn't even be listening to this if you didn't know him because the time has already passed where the, where the virgins have collected their oil. That's what I believe. I believe that the, the, the time has already passed, that we're coming to the end of the hour of, of travailing in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a, a pattern that is repeated. Do you know God? When you stand before Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, he's going to be expecting a return from you. There'll be no one else there. You can't point to your pastor or your wife or your husband. It'll be about you. What did you do with what I gave you? So you and I have got to know him personally because only when we know his voice, can we obey him? Yes, we can find him in the word and, and yes, we can hear an anointed message from our pastor and, and we can you know, get out an encouragement someone gave us and, and ask our wise counsel for advice. But ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ has something for you and I to do today. He might say to wait. He might say to pray. He might say to go for a walk. He might say to give someone a phone call. He might say to go to a hospital and, and tell them about Jesus. But it's in those works that he's glorified and our joy is made full. We've got to know him. We've got to obey him. And one of the best things you can do is pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues until you overthrow your mind, until you get out of your mind, until you are seeking that which is above and fixing your eyes on Jesus. Just in closing, I really believe that the church of Jesus Christ as a body globally, that we have not yet moved on from the first century progress in fulfilling the Great Commission. And what I mean by that is we haven't preached the kingdom. We preached Catholicism and Christianity and Pentecostalism and we preached church growth and, and we, we preached a lot of different messages that could all be called good news, but we didn't preach the demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, we, some of us did and, and some of us, thank God, got born again. And with God, all things are possible and all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we have got to take it seriously 
and actually preach the kingdom. That's the message that Jesus preached. That's the message that John the Baptist preached. That's the message that Jesus mentioned 57 times in the book of Matthew. Did you know the word love is mentioned zero times in the book of Acts? The 28 chapters that, that is the, you know, the chronicles of the church never mentions love. Yes, God is love, but love is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And one of the commands he said, he never said to build the church. Jesus said, I, Jesus, will build my church, but you preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. This is where we've got to begin. Unfortunately, begin. It's not about planting churches and evangelizing people and giving. It's not about getting them saved and getting, giving them a ticket to heaven. It's about making disciples, people who are like Jesus, who is like God. It's about sons of God who are being revealed because they are walking in the power of God. It's not just signs and wonders, but it's being imaged. We are the image of Christ. He said, as the Father imaged me, so am I imaging you. As the Father sent me as his exact image, I'm sending you. And when he said, greater work shall I do, what he means, I believe what he means is the born-again experience. Because Jesus spoke to the religious leaders about healing a paralyzed man, and he said, which is greater? Which is greater to, to say, get up and walk, or your sins are forgiven? He said, but because of your unbelief, because of your hardness of hearts and lack of faith, he says, get up and walk. But what he was saying, I believe, is that it is easier... So for me, the greater work is to forgive the man's sins. And Jesus said to us, he said, I give you authority over sin. If you forgive, it's forgiven. If you retain, it's retained. This is us walking in the image of God. We have been given the keys to the kingdom. We have been given authority on the earth. He didn't give us authority in heaven. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth. He gave us authority on earth. And he said that heaven would back us up. Heaven would back us up. I've got to preach now. I've got to tell you that the angels are the military. Biblically, the angels are the military. The angels are the host of heaven. The angels are the legions that Jesus could have called in his support when he was being interrogated by Pilate. Angels are the ones that brought victory to Israel in the Old Testament that caused hundreds of thousands to die at the purposes of God. We are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we do not fight the angels do the fighting. The angels do the bidding. The angels are those who are sent 
to implement the word of God. We fight as in a citizen who protests. And Jesus was saying that, you know, it's easier to physically heal this man. What's greater is to, to forgive him his sins. What's greater, to, to fix somebody's broken arm and then their soul goes to hell for eternity or to save their soul? Now, Jesus Christ did not have authority on earth. He had to come as a man and he had to earn it in a sense. He had to put on flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. What it means is that the spirit of God was illegal on the earth without a body. God gave the earth to mankind. Mankind lost the authority, the dominion of the land of the earth when he passed it on to Satan. Satan became the landowner. Jesus had to come as a man, as the second Adam, to legally take back the keys as a man in a physical human body. Jesus Christ was even born again himself when the Holy Spirit came on him at the baptism. And we walk exactly like Jesus. Let me say it again. The devil is terrified that you and I would be like God, that we would have our eyes open to simply believe what Paul has written about in great detail in Ephesians, in, in Philippians, in Colossians. We are made in the image of God. We are just like God. We will live forever. We own everything. And I believe that the greater works is when you and I would lead somebody to Christ, that we would see them born again, that they would be saved. When you actually tell them about the kingdom and their eyes are open to see the kingdom of God. That is the greater work. I believe. It's a miracle. The angels, Jesus said, the angels rejoice when one person comes to repentance. He doesn't say that the angels rejoice when somebody gets food, when somebody gets physically healed. He said the angels rejoice when someone is saved, when someone believes, when someone is born again. So you and I are doing greater works. Yes, we can heal the sick, raise the dead, but the greater works is to lead somebody to Christ. No one had ever been led to Christ until after Pentecost. The church didn't even really understand the kingdom until after Pentecost. It was immediately upon being baptized in the Holy Spirit that Peter was born again. He was born again. He was clean because he had received the words from Jesus. He had been, he had received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on him. But it was when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them that they understood. You see, Jesus said to Peter and to the disciples, he said, I have many things that are too heavy for me to tell you right now. He said, but when the Spirit comes, he will guide you. He will lead you into all truth. In other words, there are revelations, there are understandings, there are mysteries that, that without the Holy Spirit, you cannot possibly carry them. But now you and I can carry them. We can see God. Our spiritual eyes are open. 
I've said enough, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please uh, subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll put the comments in the notes. And, uh, and please let a friend know about the kingdom of God today. Tell them. Not, not about religion, not about church, and not just about Jesus. But Jesus didn't... Remember, listen to this. Jesus, when he sent the 77 in the Bible, what did he, when it, what did he say to them? Okay? In Luke chapter 10, it says in verse 1, After this the Lord appointed 72 and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. And he told them, he said, When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. He never mentions his name. Jesus never says, go into the towns and tell them about Jesus. He, who is Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom, he said, go and heal the sick. He said, go and tell them this message, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. So don't argue with me. You can argue with Jesus. I'm telling you. Jesus preached the one message of the kingdom. Okay? So we have got to preach the message of the kingdom. In the book of Acts, he spent 40 days teaching the disciples about heaven's kingdom realm. On the road to Emmaus, he explained the kingdom to those two men and their hearts burned within them. I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I'm not saying Jesus isn't God or Jesus isn't Lord or Jesus isn't the way, the truth or the life. He's all of those things. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus. And it is only by his blood that we are saved and that we have access to heaven. His body was torn and his torn body is the veil that was lifted that we walk through into heaven. He is God, he is king, he is Lord. I'm not God, but I am saying that I am made in the image of God and so are you. And every man and woman and child is destined. In fact, the only reason you're here is to preach and to seek first and to discover the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, the kingdom, it satisfies. You do not need to seek. You do not need anything else. Jesus, we love you. We just give you the praise and the glory due to your name. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to finish by saying that we have a ministry of the word of God, which is the word of the kingdom of God. That is our only ministry. And we have one source, and that is Jesus. That is our Father. So we have two people that we're going to deal with. Number one, we're going to deal with God every day. We're going to speak in tongues. We're going to pray and prophesy in the Spirit. We're going to read His Word. We're going to seek first His kingdom.
We're going to draw near to God. That's our relationship with him. And then everyone we meet, we're going to love them. We are going to have compassion on them. We're going to realize that no matter how they treat us or who they are, no matter how backslidden or, or depraved they are, no matter how perfect or holy they are, they are precious to God and we are going to love them and we are going to minister the word <clears throat> to them. If we're going to minister the word of the kingdom through our actions and our words. Thank you so much for listening, guys. God bless you and we'll speak to you soon.